As we get ready to open up God's word this morning, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I'm thankful that we could gather to open your word. I pray, Lord, right now we'll put away distractions, uh, we'll take notes, and we will honestly ask you to speak to us. And we will hear from your word that it will reveal a little more of who you are to us and who you are calling us to be, Father. Help us put our eyes on you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So this morning, we are going to be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you want to follow along in your Bibles at home, I'm also going to have the verses up on the screen. Now, some of you may have been expecting us to start Genesis this week, uh, but we're going to have to delay that for just a couple weeks. Uh, right after Christmas, uh, my family got the gift of COVID. Uh, and when six people in a house get COVID, it is not a pretty sight. So because of that and some other unexpected events, uh, we're going to push off for a couple weeks Genesis. But what we are going to do with those couple weeks is we're going to talk about a couple targeted topics that I think will be very important for us in 2022 that will help us reflect on the Lord and reflect about how we are living our lives uh, to his glory. So I pray you'll join us next week uh, as well. Uh, but as for this week, that first targeted topic that I want to hit is the topic of busyness. I want to talk about busyness this morning. And I want to talk about busyness because I believe a large majority of us feel way too busy. We feel way too tired. We feel way too exhausted. It is a pandemic of its own in our nation. Funny thing is that there was this infamous study that was presented to Congress back in the 1960s. And the study claimed that with all of the new labor-saving devices, within 30 years, we would only work 15 hours a week. So by 1990, in the 90s, we'd only work 15 hours a week, and our biggest problem would be what to do with all the extra free time we had. I think it's safe to say they missed the boat on that one. Not only did we never get to that place, we went the exact opposite direction. In fact, uh, one survey was done that found uh, that only 57% of Americans used, it, used all of their allotted vacation time. That means 43% of Americans that were studied practically give away free money and free time every year by not using their vacation and just continuing to work instead. Even outside of work, our society seems to be moving at a faster and faster and faster rate and continues to promote bigger and bigger and more and more and more. And as we find our calendars getting swept up in this faster and faster pace and in this more, 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 we almost become like robots, just rapidly moving from one task to another, from one event to another. We end up overworked, overstressed, full of anxiety, just plain out exhausted. I mean, can you relate to the feeling of never feeling like you could get caught up? Or the, the feeling of having constant anxiety in your life, of having way too much to do and not enough time to do it. Or relate to the exhaustion of, of running around from one thing to another, like a chicken with its head cut off. I mean, when you talk to people, when people ask me how I'm doing, I find that my response is often like, oh, I'm just so busy, or I'm so tired. And I feel like it's the same when I ask other people. Or when you see them come in across your way, they just look tired. 
because of how busy we are. And so I want to talk about busyness because this is not how God created us to be, overstressed and overworked and way too busy. And I also want to talk about busyness because it's dangerous. Busyness is dangerous for our lives in many ways. And we're going to talk about those today. And in danger beyond just being tired. And, and so my prayer is as we talk about these, that your eyes will be open to where you are just too busy in your lives. And see how God has called you to live for his glory. Now to do this, we're going to look at a classic and well-known story of two sisters named Martha and Mary who throw a dinner party for Jesus. So I'm going to read this for you. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says, now as they went on their way, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, 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 Jesus answered. Some of you have watched the Brady Bunch, you'll get that joke. Now he says, Martha, Martha. There's a repeated here. Anytime you see anything repeated in the Bible, it means there's extra emphasis. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Verse 42. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. So in verse 38, we see Jesus traveling around. A woman named Martha comes up to him and says, Jesus, bring, your, bring, uh, bring yourself to my house. I wanna, I wanna throw a party for you. I wanna throw a dinner. Jesus graciously accepts. Now you'll notice back in verse 38, it said they were traveling. That means Jesus was not alone. He was not alone. He had some or all of his disciples with him. And, and if it was all of his disciples, this means that she had to cook for 13 hungry men. And anybody who's ever entertained at their home before, they know how much work this is. And this is not in the days of the conventional oven or the, the microwave or my wife's beloved um, uh, Instapot uh, or air fryer or going to BJ's and getting a party platters and veggie platters and meat and cheese platters. So she's choosing to take on a pretty big commitment. But notice the word I used there. I said choosing. And this is really the first thing I want us to realize about busyness. Busyness is often a choice. It's often a choice. We are the ones who choose how to fill up our calendars. We're the ones who enter those dates over and over and over again. And, and for some of you, it, it probably does not feel like busyness is a choice. And and while it's true that there are some things that are outside of our control, how we interact with those things is in our control. For example, it was out of Martha's control that Jesus and his disciples came to town. However, it was in Martha's control to invite him over to her house. She could have interacted with Jesus without inviting him over. She could have just followed him around and listened to him, but she chose to add this to her schedule. Busyness is often a choice. A modern day example, Marie and I are the parents of four children. This is something that is out of our control. Well, I guess it's kind of in our control, but that's for a different topic. But what I mean is that 
caring for them and, and having to feed them, keep them alive is out of our control. It's our responsibility. But what is in our control is how many things that we add on top of those necessities, how many events and activities that we put in our schedules. Busyness is often a choice. I guarantee you that if you are struggling with busyness, exhaustion, and being tired, you are probably a big part of the reason for it. Now, I say this not to, to condemn you. It's really um, a point that should bring you some hope because it means you could do something about the way that you're living your life. You can do something with that busyness. You have some say in it. And that's what we're talking about today. And it's, like I said earlier, it's really important that we understand that we have a say in it because of how dangerous busyness can be beyond just being tired. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Luke tells us that as Jesus came to Martha's home, he began to teach. And, and her sister, Mary, literally just sat at his feet and listened to him. And as a cool side point, you know, in these days, rabbis, they didn't teach to women. They taught to men. And so for Mary to be able to sit there and listen to a teacher was an incredible thing. And she just sat right down, right at his feet to listen. But let's look at Martha. It says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You know, at first glance, when I read the story, it seems weird to think that Martha was distracted. I mean, she was working hard to provide dinner for everyone. She was getting out the little appetizers and she was folding the napkins with the plates and she was pouring the treats. She was checking on the meal. But her serving had seemed to got to a place where it is distracting her from what was really important. And I think for some of you, you've thrown big parties uh, and you found yourself in this position. I've watched people do it when I go to their house where they're throwing a party. You, you get so busy in taking care of everybody, you, you miss out on the reason for hosting the people in the first place. And that's getting to spend time with those people. You, you, know, you serve them the food and, then, and, and they enjoy the food and then you're, you're serving them the dessert and while they're eating the dessert, you're doing all the dishes and you, then you're cleaning the kitchen and, and then everybody leaves and, and you missed out on the whole opportunity to spend time with them. You missed out on what was important. And this seemed to be what Martha was doing. She was so busy serving Jesus, she was missing out on the whole point of having him over. I mean, like I said, it's not that Martha was doing something bad here. I mean, she was trying to cook for Jesus. That's a good thing. I mean, I had a little high pressure cooking for the son of God, but this is awesome. We need people who want to serve like this in this world. But listen, even the good things in this life can distract us from what's important. Even the good things in this life can distract us from what is most important. And this is what busyness does. It distracts us from what is important. Yeah, I, and I wonder as I was preparing this message today, and for those of you that are listening, I'm wondering what busyness in your life 
is causing you to miss out on what's important. What are the most important things in your life right now you're missing out on because you are distracted by busyness? What are you missing? For me, it was, my struggle is time with family. You know, when you're a pastor, like, you know, other jobs, you know, you work six, six days a week. And, and, and you always feel like you have a deadline. And, and so it, when I first got married and we had kids, I missed, you know, I missed times I missed out on being with the family because I was so busy with work. And I worked really hard on this the last several years to make sure that I didn't miss it. What is it for you? What, what busyness is in your life that's distracting you from what's the most important? Now, busyness is dangerous not only because it distracts us from what is important, but also because it takes a toll on those around us. Do you realize that? That your busyness affects those who are closest to you. I mean, look at this. Martha gets annoyed. I mean, she gets annoyed that she snaps at Jesus, it seems like. She's like, Jesus, are you blind as a bat here? She's sitting here. I'm slaving. Do something. You know you gotta be annoyed if you tell Jesus that you're unhappy. And we've all been there. I mean, we've all been there where there's something going on, everybody has a role to play, and someone ain't carrying their weight, and you're, you're angry, right? And you're upset. But notice what she's doing here. She's not just distracted now when she like snaps at Jesus, but she's also distracting everybody else who's listening. She's calling out her poor sister who's sitting on the floor listening to Jesus. Everybody else is probably looking at her like, oh man, awkward. And this principle, it plays out in our lives. I was reading an article once by an American economist. His name was Brian Kaplan. And he cited this study where kids were asked to grade their parents and to comment on what they wanted them to do better. And kids said that they wished their parents were, listen to this, were less stressed and less prone to anger. Less stressed and less prone to anger. Kaplan says that kids suffer from secondhand stress. I have never thought about this before. Secondhand stressed. The idea that all the busyness that parents were pouring into their lives, all the stress was not actually just crushing on them, but also on their children. Whether you're a parent or you're a non-parent, we can all attest to the ugly side of us that comes out that people have to deal with when, when we can't handle our busy lives, when we're too busy, when we're too stressed. I mean, I wonder right now for you, who is suffering in your life because of your busyness, because of your exhaustion, because of your stress, because your overpacked schedule, because you running from one thing to another, that it's affecting that relationship. Question for me is like, why did Martha do this to herself? Like, and, and furthermore, why do we do this to ourselves? I mean, if we don't like being busy, then why do we choose to be so busy? 
we don't like running from one thing to another, then why do we run from one thing to another? Why do we do it? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why am I so busy? Why do I do this? I think there are many reasons. A few of them that stick out to me, and this is obviously not all of them. One is fear. It's fear. Like, if I don't get such and such done, then it doesn't get done. Or it won't get done right. I mean, that could be easily what was driving Martha. We don't know, but it could have been. I mean, she needed to get dinner for the Messiah, right? It's like, I promised him over. Got to get it done. Mary's sitting there. It, if I don't get the, what's, you know, what's going to happen? I'm going to fail here. But when you think about it, like, why was Martha really stressed about dinner? I mean, this is Jesus. This is the same guy who literally took some kid's Lunchable and fed 5,000 people. Like, cracker for you, cracker for you, meat for you, meat for you, Oreo for you, Oreo for you, Capri Sun for you, Capri Sun for you, right? Fed 5,000 people. And she's stressed out. She wasn't trusting God in those moments. And I wonder where you... Where are you busy in your life because you're just not trusting God? It happens with jobs a lot. We've got to perform well. We've got to get everything done. We've got to get the promotion. We've got to get the raise. We need this next thing that comes with that, that we see as a benefit. We need, we need, we need to be busier. Ultimately, it comes because we're not trusting God. I think another reason is control. I think a lot of us, we have extra things in our lives that are causing us to be busy that are on our agenda, but they may not necessarily be on God's agenda. And I think this may be what happened with Martha. I mean, if her inviting Jesus over was really about Jesus, right? Then she would have just sat down and listened to him. She would have just sat down and listened. But she almost, it almost seems like she had her own agenda to be important, even if it was out of a good heart to serve these people a meal. And she got mad at Jesus because he was not helping her with her agenda. I mean, really, that's what it is. You're, Jesus, I know you're teaching, but the meal needs to get done. You're not supporting me by calling Mary out. Let's go, Jesus. I think sometimes we got to ask ourselves, if we're really busy... Are these things that we're busy with, are they really from God? Are they really from God? Are, they, are we really busy because of his agenda or because of our agenda? Are they really from God? Is it really his agenda that's driving this? I'm gonna guarantee you a majority of the times in my experience in my own life and in counseling, it's not because it's his agenda. Man, I'll tell you right now, your lives would change if we looked at our calendars and said, man, is this God's agenda? Have you ever looked at your calendar and asked, is this God's agenda or mine? I think another reason is self-worth. I think a lot of us, we have a need to prove ourselves. 
right? Uh, we, we're trying to prove, our, uh, prove to our, uh, something to our parents, uh, to our friends. It could be a coach, a boss. There's this little voice inside of us that says, you're not enough. You're not good enough. It, and it could even be a voice that has to do with God, but you're like proving yourself to God, right? Like the busier you are, it, it's almost like it's a badge of honor. Yes, I'm very busy this week. I'm exhausted this week. I am working so hard in my life, accomplishing so many things, I'm exhausted. It is literally like a badge of honor. It is what proves your worth. But if you think how hard you work, and if you talk about how much you work, you talk about how tired you are and how you, you don't ever get a day off, this, this is probably you, right? To a degree, this is probably you. If you think how hard you work is what proves your worth, you're going to just end up like Martha if you're not already there. You're gonna be so busy serving in your life. You are gonna be so busy doing stuff, you are going to miss out on what is most important. And I'll tell you right now, this is a problem for men, fathers most of all. Fathers will busy up their lives with tasks and projects and jobs that they will miss out on the most important thing in their lives, their wives and their children. Children will, can grow up an entire childhood without their father ever discipling them and pouring into them and teaching them uh, about God and building relationship with them just because of busy little things they add to their plates. And another fallout from this is when you make your self-worth into being busy, you treat people that way. Your value for them is based on how hard they work or don't work. They're a hard worker. Oh, their value is up here. They're not as hard of a worker as you are. You're, you, they're trash to you. Some of you, you're busy because you just suffer from major FOMO, fear of missing out. You got to always be on to the next big thing. You always got to be doing something new. You need that in your life. It fills you. It gives you something. And there's probably many other reasons why we're busy. And, and I don't want to spend too much on time because I really want to focus on the cure for busyness. But I, hopefully these get you thinking. The next time you're like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so burdened. You think, why is that? I want you to focus here. Focus on Jesus' answer. Focus on Jesus' answer. He says, Martha, Martha. Right? Once again, the doubling of the word, it, it, it means importance here. He says, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Many things. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one thing is needed. One. Mary cho has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. That had to sting a little bit. In this moment, Martha needed many things. Man, in the same way, we make decisions in life because we just need something. We need things. Jesus says we need too many things. Jesus says you only need one thing. Just one. Just one. And he said it won't be taken from her. And this is true in life. In all the ways that we fill up our schedules and we pack them full of all of this stuff, 
They're all things that can and will be taken away from us. The only thing that can't be taken away is Jesus. The only thing that can't be taken away is the word of God. I mean, this passage literally is, illustrates the, the supreme priority for believers in hearing the word of God. Author Don Whitney, he writes this. No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it, right? Mary had Jesus. We don't have Jesus here. We have the word of God. This is where we sit at the feet of Jesus in his word. He goes on to say, there is simply no healthy Christian life. Listen to this. There is no healthy Christian life. I'm going to say it again. There is no healthy Christian life apart from the meat and milk of Scripture. And then the reasons for this are obvious because Scripture tells us about God himself. It tells us especially about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us how the law of God unfolds, shows us how we have broken it. And then we learn how Christ died as the sinless and willing substitute for the breakers of God's law. And how we, if we repent and believe in him, we have the right to, to be with God, to be filled with his spirit, to become children of God. And then in the Bible, we learn all the ways and the will of the Lord. We, we find in scripture how to live, what is on his agenda, what's not on his agenda. We find out how to, to, to please God and to live a life in the most fulfilling way as he designed us. And I guarantee you, he did not design us to be overworked and overstressed and extra anxious and always exhausted. You see, when you focus on the one thing that's needed, you're not worried about having control because you believe God is in control. Right? You are not, you're not driven by fear because you trust God to provide for your needs. Your self-worth is no longer found in being busy because your self-worth is found in being a daughter or son of God. You, you, and you're no longer driven by your agenda of a thing after thing after thing because you literally are seeking the Lord for what's on his agenda. And when you're focused on the one thing that matters, you, don't realize, you realize you don't need all those things that are keeping you busy. It doesn't matter if you're, you're missing out because you know that if your eyes are on the Lord, you are gonna be right where he wants you to be. Many, many things we think are needed. Jesus said there's just one because it puts everything else in perspective. You're overworked, you're busy, have a busy, crazy life, get your eyes on Jesus. You're anxious, tired, always running from thing to thing, get your eyes on Jesus. So in, in, in this year, you have an opportunity, because it's January, you may, your New Year's resolutions are probably already crushed and trashed, probably like mine are, but you still have a chance now to choose for this to be the time in the year that you put your eyes on the Lord. And it's gonna be hard because our entire culture runs on busyness. You get invited to a lot of stuff. You see, you go to Facebook, this event, that event, boom, boom, boom. You see pictures of all these people doing happy things. It is a fast pace. You have your phone that's going off all the time. You never get a break from work because you're getting texted. It is hard, but there is amazing, amazing freedom in stripping away the many things that are not needed. Amazing freedom. A more purposed life, a more focused life. 
and closer relationships to God and to those that he has placed in your life. And it just, it waits for you if you put your eyes on what's needed. And so to do this, I want to give you a couple practical steps. For you people who like practical stuff, this is for you. And the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to put first things first. I want you to put first things first. If there is only one thing that you need, then that should be priority. That should be number one in your life. The word of God. This means time alone in prayer and study. You've probably heard that a million times if you've been in church. Have you started doing it? I mean, look, Jesus had so many crowds following him. He had people following him. Pressure of teaching the world and healing people that he had. And you see him constantly in the Bible, drawing away to be alone in God, to be alone with his father in heaven. In the morning, he would get up early before other people and he would go off to pray. Time with his father in heaven was a priority. Is it your priority? And I, and I tell you right now, if it's not what you put first in your day, then it's not your priority. Or as first as you can, I should say, because if like you have a baby, it's not like you can just take the baby and go, okay, I'm gonna have Jesus time. I'll come back to you in a minute. That doesn't work with a baby, does it, right? But if you don't make priority with the word of God, time and prayer, first thing, as first thing as you possibly can, I tell you what's going to happen is the busyness of your day is going to distract you. It's going to get in the way. The task list is going to come. The schedule is going to come. The to-do things are going to come. And it's going to distract you from sitting at his feet. You must make it first. I don't care what else you do. I don't care how important it may seem to you. If you have not got time to sit at the feet of Jesus, to sit at the feet of his word, you are too busy. It's gotta be first. I tell you in my own life, I've, sh I've shared this, I don't know how many times. Uh, when I come into church, I, I, I have my iPhone, I have all these things I need to do for church. If I do not come in the door and I do not walk right in here and I start praying to start the day, I will not do it. Because I will see my, I'll sit at my desk, I will see the task list, the stress, I'll feel overwhelmed and I'll like, I got no time for prayer. I can't believe I'm a pastor, you right? You think I pray all the time, right? That I just speak prayers left and right? No, it's a battle for me the same as it is for you. You have to make it first. You say, nope, it is it's going to be first, and then everything comes. Otherwise, the busyness will distract you. You have to make a decision in your mind. It will be first. You also have to make church a priority. I say this all the time. Hebrews 10, the classic scripture. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of son, some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Remember this last year, went through the first, uh, how many chapters, seven chapters of Acts. How many times do we read about them gathering together for prayer and for the word and for encouragement and for worship? Now this doesn't mean if you miss church once that a lightning bolt from heaven is going to strike you dead. If it did, we'd all be dead but it means that there must be a pattern in your life that gathering together with believers is priority. You come, you come into church to have somebody else like me or a different pastor, if you're in a different church, pour the word of God into you. And then you also have an opportunity to pour the word of God into other people. Even it's just through conversations. 
I mean, right now, some of you, even though church isn't open this morning, you're tuning in. And because you're tuning in, I'm praying through the power of God's word and through the Holy Spirit, you will have your lives changed this morning. You're gonna boom, you're gonna have some of these aha moments, the light bulb off the top of the head moment. You're gonna make a change today that is gonna change your calendar, the way that you live your life to focus you on Jesus. But there are some people who are not watching this message, probably a lot of people who are not watching this message because they were too busy to tune in this morning. They had too many other things they wanted to do. Now they're missing out on this life-changing message. This is why church, one of the reasons why church is so important. And parents, let me tell you, this goes for your children as well. Because the way that you prioritize your life is teaching your children how to prioritize theirs. Sports is huge right now. So everything is sacrificed for kids' sports. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how far you feel like little Johnny can throw the ball, less than 1% of kids go pro. Okay, and here's even more sobering number. Less than 2% of kids get any kind of college scholarship. Less than 2%. So that means the 98% of parents who are pouring their kids into sports, trying to get them scholarships, are gonna end up with nothing. And all the while, what they're teaching their kids is that sports or whatever activity is important. But the one thing, Jesus said, the one thing that's needed is not. And what do you think is gonna happen? Even if they get a scholarship and, and they go to college and they get that four year now to college at 22 or 23, is it gonna just dawn on them, oh, now that I'm out of college and I'm and out of sports, now church is priority. No, it's not. What you teach them as priority now is what will follow them the rest of the days. I don't know how many parents I have counseled who can't understand why their adult kids are not going to church. And I'll ask them, was church a priority growing up? And so many times they're like, no, no, not really. Parents, it should shake us at our core the level of influence we have on our children. Many, many things you're worried about with your kids. Jesus said only one thing's needed. Only one thing that shouldn't be taken from them. That's the word of God. This is also why we keep promoting these midweek Bible studies, the men's and women's groups that's starting next week, information's on the app and online, that you can come together. You come together, I remember reading an article, uh, Focus on the Family, did about 10 years ago. They found that people who had two or more touches with their church a week were the ones who were growing, and I, growing in their faith. And I thought, eh. So I pulled out my church roster that I was at at the time. We had 275 members. I went down the list. I knew them all. I was like, oh, man. The people who had two touches a week were the ones that were growing and engaged. And why is it two touches a week? Because we're not consistent with church. So when you miss, if you only have one chum to Sunday service, that's all you do. You only come every once a month or twice a month at most. You never get that consistent pouring of God's word into your life. You must make it priority. When you start that calendar every week, the church should be the number one thing, not the last thing. That's how you get your eyes on what matters. The other thing I want you to do is I want you to let the word of God filter your calendar. Every single one of us gets 24 hours a day. That's it. Not a minute more, not a minute less. 
And it's a true statement that every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. Every time. Yes to something is no to something else. Everything that we choose to do comes at a cost to something else. So when you're deciding to add things to your calendar, is the word of the God is your filter. Will this new job, this new sport, this new activity, this extra commitment, it, when you look at those things and you're deciding whether to do them, the question you gotta ask yourself, is it gonna take me away from what's priority in my lives according to the word of God? That, so for me, as a pastor and a father and a husband, is it gonna take me away from my wife? Is it gonna take me away from my kids? Is it gonna take me away from my work in the church? reasonably talking. You know, you know, every once in a while, I'm going to go out and hang out with my buddies and I'll be away from my, my wife for one night and, and that's okay. But according to the word of God, am I going to be taken away from these priority in my life? Am I going to be away from my wife so much that I cannot love her as Christ loved the church as we read in Ephesians? Am I, am I going to be taken away from my kids so much that I can't teach them the truths of God as we read about in Ephesians and in Deuteronomy, Right? is the word of God filtering your life. And man, let me tell you, it is painful. It's painful. I mean, for this means I've, I've had to stop coaching softball teams that I used to run and have fun with. I, I have to give up hanging out with my buddies. Uh, I have, I've had to put off uh, at times higher education or fun projects I wanted to do around the house. Um, I used to love to play like sports video games. Those are gone out the window. Uh, I, I have to miss out hanging out on cool, with cool people from church and going to cool parties. You know, I, uh, even like big projects I've wanted to do at the church, I've, I've had to say no to. It's been painful. But it's worth it. Because I'm keeping focused on my priorities and I don't regret any of it. Because it puts me in a place where my eyes are on the Lord. They're on the one thing that matters. And, and I, can, I know, and I don't always get it right, but that I'm seeking his face for my time and for my calendar so they may be used for his purposes. And so my prayer is this year you will use the word of God to filter your calendar. Listen, if you're waiting for your life to slow down, for the opportunities to slow down, for you to be less busy, that day is not coming. You have to make a conscious choice of what you're gonna be focused on. The one thing that matters or the many other things that are not needed. I pray you'll make a choice in this new year to proactively sit down at the feet of Jesus and allow him to influence your life, to, to seek the Lord as we read in Isaiah why he may be found.